What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today's guest is a photographer, filmmaker from Baltimore, Maryland. We have David Wavy Anderson. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, what's happening? So you got Dave Wavy and you got the American Wave. I'm the American Wave for, for those who are uninitiated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just me photoshopped over Dusty Rhodes' face. If you are a wrestling fan, you'll get that reference. If you're not, you should look it up. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. And I'm glad we were able to make this situation uh, work because we've, we've been trying to make it work for a few, few weeks now. Yeah. It's been like boats passing in the night is um, I'm, I'm thankful for it that it's, it's working out now. I think uh, the timing just had to be right. You know, I just really wanted to sit on these questions so I could blow your mind away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And it's super hot, too. So I think we're both just like, let's not go out there and melt our ethnicities away. And let's just, you know, just do, yeah. the, do the interview here. I mean, only half of me would melt, though. So but, you know. Wow. Uh, so let's let's get into it. Let's, let's let's talk about your work a little bit. So I gave that that background for photographer, filmmaker. But I like to let, you know, the guests describe what their work is and, and, and kind of that gives a little bit more of an intimate view on it. So describe your work to the fine folks. Most definitely. Um, I would best describe my work as a reflection of where I am at any point in time. Basically, most of my photography is, is more or less like a reflection of the environment around me. Uh, so depending on where I am or what kind of mood I am in or even down to like what kind of gear I have with me, um, it will tell a story or at least try to fabricate a moment in time that like this happened right here and more or less, I try to just capture the emotional side. Um, I guess people will call it more dramatic, I guess, because I like using shadows and, and, and contrast more. And, and I tend to lean towards the film look just because it's a lot more weighty. Um, it just has texture. But overall, I just try to capture uh, like the human interaction, like th those stories that you pass by all the time. You ever just look at something like, man, that'd be a cool photo. Or like, man, I wish I, could, I would be able to remember this down the line or or something, or even being like in certain events or something. Uh, so my work would definitely be a reflection of the human experience uh, through my eyes, I guess. So in going into it, like what was that then moment or some, some, some experience that maybe informed your decision to move into digital photography as less of a hobby and more of a career? That, so this is a funny story. <clears throat> so I, uh, I originally was in school for teaching. I went to CCBC and I was studying uh, secondary education with a focus in like special ed and whatnot. And I'm saying I was about maybe six or seven classes away from graduating. And I'm sitting in my educational psychology class and the teacher's just like, 
droning over Common Core. And I'm sitting there, you know, behind these thick ass textbooks. Um, and I realized that I, I hate children. And um, <laughs> and um, that's that's just a joke. I don't hate children. They're just a massive liability. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what are you gonna but, do? <laughs> but it, it's really weird because it's like um, I always found you know you know how you in high school and it's like all right, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Yeah. And it's like. I never could find the answer to that question because I didn't even know who I was. I know that sounds very like it's deep as shit and it's like that poetic and I'm already light skinned. So I didn't want to really lean into like, oh, this man like cries in the rain. But it, it, it's a serious question. Like, you know, what is it that you're passionate about enough sacrifice and work towards that 10,000 hours for the rest of your life? I was just kind of expected just to be productive and move to the next level after high school. But I didn't know what I really honestly wanted to do so I kind of just wasted my not wasting my time but you know kind of put my time in a study like you know it was just a knee-jerk reaction like teaching all right let's go try to be a teacher but I fell into photography because um I just was unhappy with the course load that I was doing I didn't think I wanted to do this for the rest of my life so I ended up dropping out um and at the time I had a core like a core group of friends that I looked up to very heavily Mm -hmm. um and one of them is Mike John. Uh, Mike John, if you don't know, is a photographer and a cinematographer from Baltimore as well. Uh, but when I met him, um, you know, I wasn't shooting. I didn't own a camera or anything. Uh, but I had, you know, you know, I was just enraptured in his energy. He, he became a very good friend to me. Um, and, you know, I looked up to him and I wanted to, like, almost emulate him in a way just because he kind of just has his like moth to a flame type of appeal. So uh, on my 21st birthday, man, uh, my sister put up money and drove me to Best Buy and I bought my first camera, which was a Nikon D, you know, 3200. Yeah. Um, and I've been shooting with that same camera ever since. And it's, it's, um, it's been a, it's been a wondrous tale of life. Um, yeah. So that's how I fell into it. I dig it. It's it's one of those things where you, you, you learn like where you're at. You're like, I don't know if I want to do this. And right. it's just like, what am I passionate about? What do I like? And, you know, it's one of those things you, you learn that passion and all of that stuff, you, you can't fake it. It's almost like when you hear like old wash basketball analysis and they'll say, Oh yeah, you can't teach height. You, you can't teach passion. It's, it's the same thing to me. And when you find something that you're either passionate about or you're not passionate about, you're like, so what's the cost here? I got to keep learning this stuff and doing stuff that I don't really care about. That's not really driving me. And it's not really getting me up in the morning. So in that, let's, let's, let's use the, these two questions. Okay. I'll combine them. What keeps you up at night and what gets you going in the morning? Um, what keeps me up at night is, I guess, or, uh, what keeps me up at night would be my fear of death, I suppose. And I'll layer that answer because I believe we're all going to die, obviously, but I believe the key to everlasting life isn't necessarily in the physical sense, mm-hmm. but it's in the legacy that you leave behind. Um, albeit, you know, your work or your family, so be it. So I'm constantly, you know, trying to think of scenarios to help me get those dreams rolling further than where they are already. Um, 
you know, I'd like a, a family one day. I'd like to set up a studio and, and have this legacy that extends beyond my lifetime, you know. Um, and what keeps me going in the morning is, you know, knowing that, you know, every day above ground is a blessing. Uh, and, I, you know, people usually like, you know, how you feeling today? And it's always the same thing, you know. Every day above ground is a blessing. Yeah. Um, because you get 24 hours to be the person that you want to be, make the changes that you want, and, you know, learn from the mistakes you did the other day and, and not do them again or, you know, try to do them again differently for a different outcome or something. But, like, you know, what gets me going in the morning is a mystery because I, I don't know what the next 24 hours will hold. It might be something great. It might be something that I need to learn from. It might, you know, I might get fired tomorrow. Who knows? But yeah. it's, it's always a journey of life. And, and I think the beauty in it is that as long as you wake up and want to live in that time, then you can enjoy it. Yeah. You, you, you get to go after that mystery. You get up in the morning. You don't know if a bird's going to shit on you while flying around or flying away or something. Then you don't, you don't know if you're going to meet the, the person of your dreams, the girl, of your dreams, the guy, your dreams, whatever. You don't know if you're going to have the most like delectable gastronomic like experience in your life until you get up and get out. And I think that's the thing. And I think it's really uh, important. And I think it's really nice that you, you look at things in that kind of manner of like, kind of like life is to be lived and it's like, yo, it's exactly. a blessing. It's a blessing. Literally. So man, you, you have to live in. I think that that's why my work isn't always consistent. Cause I mm -hmm. feel like you can definitely spot certain characteristics that are always holding the work, but really the work is based on the environment. You know, if it's a sad environment or whatever, the, the work's going to be sad. If it's happy, it's happy. If it's bright, it's bright. It's, that's life. You know what I'm saying? I think people, you know, like when you go to Chipotle, you get the same thing every time. It, 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 it doesn't disappoint you and it doesn't really blow your mind away. But if you really just go in there and just hit the random button mm -hmm. or something, it's just like you get whatever in the bowl and, you know, you might like this combination better. You might not. You know what I'm saying? And just like you said, life is to be lived. Yeah, man. And a big piece of it is accessibility or what have you, but doing things that are real. Because when you mentioned the Chipotle scenario, right, I, you know, you talk to certain people. I'm more of an eclectic individual. I get the vibe that you are as well. And, you know, I'll talk to people say, yeah, I'm going to get tacos. You know, we're recording this on a Tuesday. And um, I was like, man, they're not they're out of meat, man, they're out of chicken, they're out of steak. And I was like, mm, what am I going to get on there? And I was like, eh, I guess I'll get cactus today. Cactus. And I, I had a I had a cactus taco, you know what I mean? And people look at me real side eyes. I didn't think when I was getting up in the morning I was going to have cactus with you know a little cheese and you know nice delicious situation. It was it was different. It was unique, and I could say I've had that experience, and it it, it felt real. Like I'm a crapshoot kind of person. It's like I'm not going to make a big thing and not enjoy myself because they don't have one little thing that I want. I didn't know I was going to have that that day, and now I can say I've had cactus. And I can go with that knowledge to another experience in the future and say, you know what? Let me get chicken and cactus. Mm. That's a, that's a switch up. I, I mean, honestly, I gave up. Um, I went vegetarian, man, at the start of the year. So it's, okay. it's been a transition to like retrain yourself how to eat. Because I, I, I fuck up some bologna, like, you know, Oscar, <laughs> B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Like it, yeah. it was crap. some potato bread, some American cheese and bologna, like, that was lunch for two weeks. And now, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, and the doctor was like, yeah, bro, 
you know, some guy go, I, you know, <laughs> he just kind of looked at me sideways. I'm like, all right, man. So he's like, well, more jackfruit in your life. Uh, and a few, and then <laughs> less carbs, more jackfruit. It's like, hey, are you working for big jackfruit? What's going on here? You like your feet? And I'm like, yeah. All right, you should change your diet. I'm like, ah, oh, ah. shit. <laughs> Like, well, I, I, I do like to run on occasion. Well, that's going to stop him. You don't sort this shit out. I'm going to be real. So, i running, yo. But running is like. Yeah, I don't. It's weird, don't. bro. I'm too long and too clumsy to run. Like, I'm 6'4", and I have terrible knees. I've always had terrible knees. I'm like, eh, I, I can give you a couple minutes. I, I, I'm not a cross-country guy. I, I give you a few minutes. That's what's real for me. My, my couple of minutes is what's real for me. You know I'm what? the... I'm the one minute. I'm the running equivalent of a one minute man. Does that make sense? Not good, man. I feel so, like- <laughs> I, I read that your work and you and you touched on this too. Aims to your work aims to show and capture something real. Those imperfections, those emotional layers, and in, in human life, share an important share the importance of authenticity in photography. Um, <clears throat> authenticity will be timeless. Uh, it won't be a, you remember like a last year or so when everybody was going into like home goods and Joanne's and taking the photos in the flower aisle, mm-hmm. like fads, fads will come and go just like fashion. But the timeless images that you see that stand the test of time from when they first have been the camera up until now come with a certain level of authenticity that this image will never be able to be recreated and. And although literally none of these images that you take will ever 100% be recreated by somebody else, it's the flavor that comes with it is unique in itself. Um, so authenticity to me is the ability to literally be present in the moment and capture that moment because that moment will never come again. Um, I think that's, I hope I answered the question. That's legit. I feel like I'm poetry too much. <laughs> I, I no, 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 you're being you're being light skin poetic. I like it. <laughs> like I'm looking in the mirror, squinting my eyes right now. Like <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> the beige wave. Uh, so, <laughs> who or what are your photographic and non-photographic influences? Speak on that a little bit. Like, I, like maybe maybe they aren't the same as they were, but maybe speak look at it from that angle like what were they maybe in the past and what are they now maybe to show that maturation potentially i feel you um marijuana number one <laughs> um just to be honest with you like uh you know if this is about getting to the truth that's well, the truth right there exactly if i don't think i would be the person or artist that i am uh mm-hmm. in the artistic sense or really just as a person if i didn't experience marijuana and i know that sounds very maybe it doesn't sound too weird now because it's not as taboo as it was back in the day but when i started smoking man i looked at the world totally different and because of that viewpoint i was able to almost be an objective visitor and not Mm -hmm. you know be too pulled in any one way i just kind of let the tide take me so marijuana is definitely a big influence um as far as visually uh photographer Sean Champion. Her work has always inspired me and I always strive to be like her. Um, my bro, Mike John, obviously, he was a very big influence. Um, Kirby Griffin, he's another cinematographer from 
uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, you know, one of the up and coming OGs. Honestly, I think he's number one when it comes to you know just capturing black essence. Um, definitely, you know, mid to late '90s Spike Lee, like around Mo Better Blue, Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino, Alfred Hitchcock, um, and music, man, like uh, Roy Ayers is definitely a big influence. Uh, a lot of jazz, man. Like it, for whatever reason, that kind of music just transcends when you when you start smoking weed. <laughs> like I, don't oh, I dig it. I dig it. But um. Yeah, man, like, uh, music is, has always been and probably will be one of the most important influences uh, to, my, to my artistry as well. Because it, it just it helps uh, take the mood out of that tone you hear in your head. Nobody else can hear it. But if you all are vibing to the same track, of course, you all nod your head at a different beat or a different yeah. pace, but it's all on the same rhythm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, used, to, I used to look at um, marijuana in two different ways. I used to look at it as... It's a it's a means of being mindful, depending on like really how, how to what degree you're on vibing and what type of thinker you are and all of that. I also look at it as a, as a portal or what have you. Maybe both of those kind of are layered together, the mindfulness and the portal aspect. But you're able to tap into something and you're able to see like like different things or what have you. If because, you know, some people, they get they get lazy and they don't want to do anything. But I think for a certain branch of creatives and I think creatives in, in a more macro sense, you know, they imbibe in a little something or what have you, you can have really long, deep ass conversations about just that creative process, or just, you might see something in within your creative process that, Oh, I'm seeing that differently now. And it might be something that's worth journaling, right. Of like, all right, when I'm doing this shoot, this type of shoot or this type of layout, and I maybe had a little indica, a little hybrid or something in my system. And that was different than when I didn't, or when I had a sativa or, or even, uh, some hash or something on those lines, like, how does that differ? And do I feel like I'm more creative? Cause you, you touched on, you touched on jazz, right. And you know, how you'll, you'll go back and you'll, you'll listen to like music and like, I watched the, the cold train documentary and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You were, you were on a few different things or what have you, or even like, you know, but, but it's a thing where they able to tap into something and it's like, the, the drugs had some influence and maybe amplified that talent that's naturally there. And it's not to say that they don't have the talent they needed as a crush. Cause obviously he didn't. And a lot of them don't, but you, you'll hear people with their criticism sometimes say when the drugs were there, the music was different, especially when it comes to that genre. I, I totally agree. Um, here's a good example, man. I, I'm a big D'Angelo fanatic. I think D'Angelo is one of the best yeah. artists out here. Um, his album Voodoo uh, yeah. hit for me just in a way. Uh, just sonically, it was, I consider Voodoo sonically a perfect album. Um, and it's up there with like Marvin Gaye and, and songs in the key of life or something. But when I got high <laughs> and listened to Voodoo for the first time, it's like, it's like, um, you ever watched that, uh, that movie uh, National Treasure? When um, you had the glasses and, and on the map, it was like a, if you put the glasses a certain way, it's a, it's a code. But then if you put the glasses a different way, it's a different code. Yeah. Yo, when I got high and listened to Voodoo, it was, for whatever reason, there was this point in my life where I just needed to hear it. And he was just, he was talking, like, to me. <laughs> um, and I understood, it was, it was really weird. And then 
I'll go back and listen to other albums, how, and it's like, damn, they was really talking to me. <laughs> and um, and and not to be like in a selfish sense of it, but like, it just it, it resonated with my soul that much more. Maybe because I was in a you know in an inebriated state yeah. that allowed myself to be open to it more. But it was just it was it was a totally different vibe. And also, man, it's. A, I don't know if you ever listen, but like if you listen to songs like Chopped and Screwed or something or Slow yeah, Down, yeah. you listen to those high and it's like you understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I can't it's hard to explain, but it's like it, you know. I used to get into a very uh interesting place in terms of discovery of music when I was out there and that was a really big part of my life. Like we're we're talking better part of 10 years ago at this juncture, but I, I was uh, just getting zooted, you know, just Johnny Walker, we, Johnny Walker, we, I was the Johnny Walker, Texas Ranger. It was wild. And I was listening to uh, like just kind of things that would be considered kind of more experimental for my aesthetic. Right. So listening to like Ratatat, listening to uh, management, like early management, MGMT and um, listening to uh uh, it's, it's just a few other bands that kind of fall outside of the realm that lean a little bit more to alternative, but there is mu musicianship there. And I would just be like dipped into it. It's like not even looking at the length of the songs and just like, damn, I've played this album like five times today. And the, you know, black keys would be another one that would pop up. And it's like, I've just been looping this album and I'm not looking for what I would normally look for, you know, during those times I'm looking for, you know, Wow, so you got xylophones on this track? Why you got that on there? And you 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 would inherit at least I would think I would inherit something because I've been podcast I was podcasting during that time too. So my approach to some of the stuff I was doing, I was broadening my creative like outlook on things of like, all right, let's do snippets, let's do little skits, let's do sketches, let's do different things outside of just the the normal conversation we would have and covering the news and things like that. Let's add some extra value there and just something that's just, it might feel a little left and maybe this is a high thought, but you know, it was something that we wanted to do with me and my, my co-host. And um, I, a lot of it comes from like weed and kind of looking at different creators and what they were doing specifically in music. I feel you. Um, just to, I'm gonna touch on that, but it's funny you mentioned that too. Um, the first time I got really high, uh, and um, I was with a friend, and I got uncontrollably high to a, to a point where it was like I pretty much levitated from my body. Um, and that's a wow. long story. We can definitely like talk about that, you know, another time or something. But like yeah. I pretty much had an out of body experience, and I witnessed my physical form. Um, long story short, once I got connected connecting my spiritual self back to my physical form yeah. um there was a song playing in the background it was uh echoes by pink floyd and it was like it just it just caressed me and, and it kind of helped me guide myself back so whenever i listen to that song i get a very warm feeling like because i was here before and it has a very special moment but also i think the idea of marijuana opening up these alternative things is that most of the artists out here got high. Like there was a whole like people smoke like they call it jazz cabbage. You feel me? Like the devil. <laughs> and it was like um, they wanted to outlaw because it was making the black artists even better. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you know it was it was just a whole political thing. And but marijuana has always been a part of the creative process for a lot of the brilliant minds out here. And I kind of envy 
artists like Kendrick Lamar or whatever who don't need marijuana to get into that trance state, but even they experimented with, you know, with it at some point, you know, to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either a negative end or, you know, I've transcended the need for marijuana, um, you know, but it definitely went for, for me, it, it definitely kind of puts me at ease as long as I'm not overloaded with a lot of people. But oftentimes it really just, it kind of connects me with people too much. And you, and you start thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. And it's like, <laughs> is this person's vibe, right? Like I'm high or is it, I'm just high as shit. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, you're, it like it amplifies your gut feeling, and now uh, wherever yes, your gut feeling is centered at, it's gonna just kind of reverberate out. Yeah, it. Um, I, I think it enables you to, I think, in many respects, connect with the truth and a. I, I'd like to not need marijuana in the future, but I, I definitely enjoy it. I definitely enjoy having a part of, I guess, who my identity is and, and for the creative process. But um, I dig it. Uh, and I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's a key thing to look at and see what it does for you and, and how it contributes to what that creative process is. And for me, I used to have it as a part of, if I'm going to do something that some people may consider irresponsible, it's, it's how you view it is up to you. It's a personal thing, right? So that's the way I would look at it. And, you know, I would make sure I did something that felt really productive while I was doing it. So it's like, all right, I'm not going to go out in public and be like super zooted. So I'm going to get super zooted. I'm going to be in the crib and I'm probably going to work on a podcast. I might come up with some questions and that'll put me in a different space to be more broad in my thinking or even uh, maybe just do some editing with it. And it would be, you know, it would be something that I was like, I can really put this into my process instead of making it feel like, you know, why are you doing this? You're, you're, you're wasting something. So lastly, this is the last question I had before we get to shameless plugs. <laughs> From a photographer's perspective, yeah. describe Baltimore through your lens. Baltimore is the essence of building the plane while you fly it. From a photographer's perspective, it is untapped potential with you know, only a high, yes, a decent percentage of that actually converting to actual, you know, I, I don't know what the opposite of potential is, but kinetic energy. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't want to say that in a negative way. I think Baltimore is, is a, is a gold mine as far as artistry is created. Um, and, you know, being a true artist, but I think it also has its limitations as far as the fruit that it can bear for you and how you can live in there. And, and that's just because of, historically how Baltimore has been treated and the media, uh, you know, politically with redlining and, and the business structures and, you know, the loss of large communities and, you know, Ronald Reagan and Nixon with crack, you know, that was yeah. a big one. <laughs> I mean, it, so it's almost like it's, it's programmed to have instead of the potential energy or the kinetic energy, it's almost like stagnant or, or th- this energy, if you will. I don't know if it's stagnant. I think it, it's, um, I think it, I think it's like the old black man that, you know, that's too proud to go see a therapist, even though, you know, he has some issues that he's working out. Yeah. You know, but he, you know, he still functions accordingly. But when he does go see the therapist, everything gets better. And I think Baltimore has been finally letting go of some of its pride and and going to see that therapist. <laughs> and it's, gotcha. it's working out good and you can see the results on the back. End. I dig it. That's that's legit. That's absolutely legit because um, 
you know, as you start seeing these things, you, you see opportunities, you know, being put out there, but it's still this notion of scarcity and, you know, with all of the other things that are kind of baked into what makes up a city, right? That's one of the things I try to do is make the conversation seem like Baltimore is unique in its ways, but also is similar to any other large city. And it has any of the things that it has some of the unsavory things. It has some of the really culturally impactful, unique things that are here. And I think there's always just too much focus on it. And it's not always the fault of the people here. Some of these things have just been rigged, as you touched on earlier, you know, Reagan, Redline, all of that different stuff to, to be this way you know, having a, an infrastructure that's as old as it is and, you know, things of that nature and the way these things are kind of targeted and people still thrive as a, regardless, in spite of these things. And what I always look for is for those ones that, you know, get a little light on them, get a little sun on them or what have you, what are you, what are you doing to, to improve these things? You know, that's what I always look for. I, my improvement is... My improvement to the city is an improvement to myself. I, I hope to create an image for me and the people that I decide to surround myself with or want to surround themselves with, you know, who I am. Yeah. And I'd like to make an image of black positivity, black, you know, creativity. Um, and just general, I guess what I'm doing, that, see, that's a, that's a good question. Um, Honestly, now I guess with my art and, and how I choose to try to make the city better. Um, but honestly, it comes down to change real issues. You're gonna need capital and you're gonna need a major network. So for me to do the small scale stuff of building my business and reputation and, and align who I align myself with, if they have the same, you know, ideas and 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 and, and goals, I think that's how I I do my part to change. But it's not just. I don't think a single person can do it. I think mm -hmm. a single person could be a figurehead but you know the thing with figureheads is that you know they can change or try to be destroyed but yeah. i think if a group of people which i have seen and been a part of making massive change or just opening doors or whatever um i don't want to say or whatever opening doors giving new opportunities to the younger and older generation um yeah. i think that is how baltimore can change its image and, and also it just comes down to what we allow to be portrayed in media like what we allow is our image to be like most cats only know baltimore from crack in the wire yep. and um it's a lot more to that it's, it's it's a lot of very important jazz history culturally visual history that's been here um food history here is, is amazing yeah and so. it gets it gets wiped away way too often and i think Definitely. this and conversations like the, i think you know this podcast or podcasts like this and conversations and just people putting together the community really kind of puts forth an effort to disprove the the narrative that's what i think is value in it's like yeah it's not saying oh we're gonna you know act like none of this exists no we're gonna do our effort i think to disprove it and show that eh, it's not 100 that so in that, uh, that's all the questions I have. So yeah. now it's that time to shamelessly plug. So social media, all of that good stuff. Where can they check you out? And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, I, I'm very appreciative for you to have me on here. I hope we can have plenty more conversations uh, in the future, man. It's, it's definitely, I definitely just like talking, number one, and listening. But I especially love talking about my city and, and the things that go on around it. Absolutely.
But uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at wavy, W-A-V-E-Y, with four underscores. Uh, you can check out my website. It's uh, www.wavy, W-A-V-E-Y.me. Um, you know, I, I released my first short film back in December. Uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's called Liquor for Water. Um, I'm working on dropping a, a, a live album soon with a, a local artist. Be on a, you know, look for that. It should be dropping in August. Um, and yeah, just, you know, find me in the streets. If you see me wave, you know, I want to be loved too. Jeez. <laughs> There's more than photographers in the city. Get active. Really look, look for your, your young black people out here shooting and doing it. Cause they're going to be, they're the ones that are going to carry the legacy and keep Baltimore alive. So you you got to be selfless out here. And, and if you have something to give, then you, you know, you got to give it, you know, I think yeah. that's, that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast and I'll do my sign off. So for, for, for Wavy, for, for, for David Wavy Anderson, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.